When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige DeMakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And we are here. We are sorry that we did not give you a Sunday Night Football post-game podcast. We had some technical difficulties. Jake was going back from Vegas. We had a lot going on. So we are here Monday night post-football, giving you a full recap of week seven. We've got a lot to get into. We haven't talked about AB in Tampa yet, so we're going to get into that. A couple injury news. We got studs and duds, headlines coming out of week seven, and our final thoughts. So we will kick things off here, guys with just some quick injury updates and how it's going to impact the fantasy community. Let's start with Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury and how that is going to impact the Browns, specifically how that's going to impact everybody from a fantasy perspective, right? Because Odell Beckham Jr. is one of those guys that was a little bit polarizing coming into the year where you thought he was going to land. He's had some great performances. We all know who he is as far as a personality, but this offense has a lot of weapons already, but you're down Nick Chubb. Now you're down Odell Beckham Jr. You've got some injuries that you've sustained. Where are these receptions? Where are these targets? Where is this going to go? Who is going to be the beneficiary, if anybody, on the Browns? Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Uh, Rashard Higgins is going to be probably the biggest name that I look for out of this Cleveland receiving core because he had that big game when Odell Beckham went out. I expect him to be one of the top waiver wire ads. I haven't ranked at number 41 for me in my rankings that will be out by the time you're listening to this. You know, he's kind of in that glut of wide receiver threes I keep talking about that there's just a bunch of guys, like 25 guys that you kind of look at and go, eh, I kind of like them this week. Maybe I should put them in a flex spot, especially if you have a two-flex league. So he'll join that group right there uh, against the beatable Las Vegas secondary. But, I mean, overall, I still want to see what this offense looks like. I know they had that big comeback after Baker went 0 for 5 at a pick to start and then threw one incompletion and five touchdowns the rest of the way in a comeback <laughs> victory. But I'm not ready to say all of this passing offense's ails are cured right now. Uh, so I am curious to see who gets the, you know, whether it's Higgins that gets a big bump or Landry that gets a big bump, or even if there's a chance that a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones has a bigger role in this offense. But to me, Higgins is the guy you're picking up off waivers this week if you can get him. Uh, I'm not necessarily throwing you into my lineup right away, but you could do work. Jake, I was going to say, are you looking at anybody in Cleveland? Are you excited about anybody there that with Odell Beckham Jr. out? I know it's a weird way to kind of look at it, but if you have somebody else there, are you looking at Jarvis and thinking, okay, maybe this is going to be an uptick for him, or are you just look kind of in wait-and-see mode? 
No, because I think Jarvis gets the ball when the ball goes to Jarvis. It's not like he's beating man-to-man coverage and you're throwing it to him. My big question is who becomes their home run hitter? Who's the deep threat? They don't have an, a proven guy, and you don't necessarily have to have a proven guy, but you got to have that really killer speed. Maybe that's where Peoples Jones kicks in, caught the game winner right there, getting deep. I'm not real sure, but Baker played better when he was out. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe the ball goes where it's supposed to go and you don't force it as much. Maybe you don't look quite that long there to make sure he doesn't come open. Um, maybe the offense does seem to flow a little easier because you don't have to force it. You just take what it gives you. Uh, but I'm not necessarily jumping all over anybody in that offense right now. And I, Baker's going to have to prove this a couple weeks in a row. That second half was still against the Bengals. Yeah, there's uh, definitely question marks there as we move forward. Obviously, wishing Odell Beckham Jr. a healthy, speedy recovery, but they will be without him in Cleveland for the foreseeable future. Kenyon Drake, guys, out two to four weeks. That's the news coming out of Arizona. One of those weeks is a bye week for Arizona. So really, this is looking like they have weathered the storm here with this injury, where even in an ideal world, right, he misses one week only if he ends up just missing two weeks in totality with the bye week. I think even on the high end, obviously, only three weeks in total. How do you bump or how much do you bump Chase Edmonds moving forward? This upcoming week, as I mentioned, is a bye week. But, Jake, moving forward past that, how much are you going to look at Chase Edmonds and go, yeah, I'm going to raise him up much, much higher? Or are you just going, okay, I'm going to wait and see a little bit? I think I'm going to bump him pretty high for those couple weeks. It's going to be a a timeshare when he comes back. But he's had like three 15-point games in a row anyway with Kenyon Drake on the field. Uh, Explosive player. He looks better than Kenyon Drake in the offense. Really good in the passing game. Not sure he can carry the load long-term being a three-down guy. He can do it for a couple weeks. And I think if he does and he gets that load, my big question is how do they use the running backs? That's a, if he's the guy and he's not playing in the slot, then is that passing usage the same? I'm still going to bump him because he's been really, really explosive. And I know how much they like him. Uh, so Kenyon Drake misses three and one of them is the bye. Those two weeks that he plays and he's the guy, I'm going to bump him up pretty high. Jamie, how much are you going to bump Chase Edmonds, if at all, moving forward? Yeah, I, I think he has to, when he comes out of the bye, he's got to be in the RB2 conversation right now, given all the injuries across the board and, and how productive he's been in the passing game. But like Jake, my one concern is going to be when they ask him to be more of the guy as a running back, will that take away from the way they've been using him so effectively as a receiver, which is really where his fancy value has come in if you've been like throwing a flyer on him in a flex spot the last couple of weeks. So I'm curious to see what that split looks like. I'm curious to see whether Jonathan Ward or, you know, Benjamin's going to be the other back because they're going to need to use multiple backs. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where he himself is going to go up high, but everybody else in that backfield's kind of shaky. But Edmonds was getting to the point where he was close to being startable in the flex spot, even with Drake out there. All right, because we haven't had the opportunity to talk about this, and it is a very big piece of news for a lot of reasons, right? Because it's a controversial piece of news. Um, it's a depth piece of news. It's a fantasy piece of news. And that is Antonio Brown signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And listen, there are varying opinions on this. We are not here to discuss the off the field issues. I'm just going to get that out right out of the way. Okay. I'm not here to discuss character, anything that's happened off the field. We are here strictly to discuss him and his football impact on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is what we are going to discuss. And also the fantasy impact and relevancy that he has in this season in 2020. So before we get into the specifics on the Buck side, Jamie, I'd like you to strictly take the 
knowing what we know now, right, and and all the injuries that have have been sustained with the Bucks, right? Where do you, if all things are equal, what if if if, if everybody's playing? Let's start there. If everybody's playing, everybody's healthy. What is the relevancy in the fantasy community for Antonio Brown? Because I think even if we play out the best case scenario, right, for the Bucks and everybody stays healthy, which I don't think is possible because there's just there been they've already dealt with so many injuries. Even if that even if that happens, I still think Antonio Brown has relevancy, right? So why don't you discuss where you're kind of evaluating him uh, moving forward and and how he fits into this Bucks offense? Yeah, with Evans and Godwin both on the field, and assuming Antonio Brown's playing right away, coming out with week nine, he'll join that glut of wide receiver threes. Uh, he'll be a guy that you could throw out there. He's going to be in that flex conversation for you, be in that wide receiver three conversation if you're one of those leagues that play that many players at the position. He's going to have value because as we kind of got to see a little bit on Sunday, if teams are going to just decide they're going to take away Mike Evans, Brady's not going to force the ball. He is going to throw it to the open guy and he's going to be successful. I.e., look at the last two weeks of Buccaneers pass of the passing game. Uh, I think it's been pretty damn successful if you ask me. And uh, clearly he's Antonio Brown is a guy that has a ton of talent. We'll see where his head is at. We'll see where his physical shape is at coming into the season in, in the middle of the year. But this is a guy that's not that far removed from being the best guy at the position in fantasy and even in real life. Uh, and now he has the opportunity to come in here uh, and have a lot of success in this offense. So to me, when everybody's healthy, he's a wide receiver three. If Evans or Godwin miss time, which both have had struggles with injuries the last two years, uh, I mean, you know, the hamstring monster caught them last year and in, in the early person, portions of this year, uh, then at that suddenly he's a wide receiver two territory in that right matchup. And I think he's going to be a guy that if you haven't had the opportunity to stash him already, uh, I know after the news of him signing, everybody went out and grabbed him. But for those of you that had the opportunity to stash him maybe before that, when you saw the initial Schefter tweet about the Seahawks involvement and all that, uh, I think he's going to pay dividends in the second half of the year. It's not as shallow of a position, but in the same way that Kareem Hunt helped a lot of fantasy managers in the back part of last year after week 10, I think Antonio Brown is going to be that guy this year because his upside is greater than any other potential player on the waiver wire right now. Jake, I'd like you to discuss because I'm with Jamie, right? I think there's plenty of opportunity for Antonio Brown to play a part in fantasy, right? And I think there's there's going to be room for him. You're going to decide how this is going to look depending on what happens, right? But the the bigger thing for Buccaneers fans, right, is that how exactly is this going to impact this team, right? There's this there's kind of this discussion around him negatively impacting this locker room. And I think that there's a lot there that I don't like about that statement, right? And I, and I think I'm very curious to hear your point of view on, on what you think about that specifically, because that is, we know who AB the talent is, right? Like, like that is not questioned. It's AB off the field. And I think if anybody can handle it, it's, it's Pops and it's Tom Brady. And that's kind of where I sit with, the, with it. So I'd love your, your opinion. Yeah, to me, it's, it's one of those cheap, easy, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon bullshit narratives that people want to run with. And if you think that he has the ability to screw up this locker room, you're giving him way too much credit and disrespecting the hell out of the guys that are in it. The coaches, the players, the JPPs, Levante Davids, the Sues on the defensive side, the Mike Evans, the freaking Tom Brady's in that locker room. By the way, BA's the head coach. If you screw up, you're gone. There's, there's no way... He's, he is capable of messing up the chemistry because if he does, he's gone. 
there's short leashes and then there's what he's on. Uh, from a from a football perspective, this is like adding Kevin Durant at the freaking trade deadline off a of suspension. This is one of the best players we've seen in his position in 20 years. Like multi-generational. If you're going to do the all-pro offensive team from 2000 to 2020, he's starting. Absolutely. Right? He, might be the Absolutely. he might be the first receiver you put on the board for the last 20 years of the all-pro team, and you're adding him for the last however many games you have. He plays all three positions. He has familiarity and a relationship with the head coach. The offensive coordinator he played with under the head coach in Pittsburgh. He played and practiced with the quarterback last year in New England. He plays all three positions. By the way, if they're all healthy and all he does the first week is return punts, you have one of the greatest punt returners in the history of the yeah. game as well. I, yeah. I don't see the risk. I don't get the, but what if he screws up? The same people bitching about screwing up the Tampa locker room are the ones who are bitching that Mike Evans didn't get enough catches in a 45-point, 25-point win dusting of the freaking Vegas Raiders yesterday. Like, I just don't get it. Yes, I understand. There's questions. But for you to stay on that freaking bullshit narrative and not get off of it because you don't trust the head coach or the locker room enough i don't understand it the ultimate in injury insurance policy is all i see here with adding one of the best players to ever do it with a lot lot left and i'm old enough to remember when leonard fournette was going to kill the locker room uh, remember, remember thank that you narrative? jamie thank <laughs> remember you, that jamie. narrative from a few weeks ago oh thank that was you, jamie. fun uh, look uh, and um you know we tried as Paige mentioned at the top show, we tried recording this last night, and I, and I want to put this statement out again that we talked about last night. If you are someone that says that because of the off-the-field stuff with Antonio Brown that you do not feel he should be in the league and that is why you are against the signing, I completely understand and respect that point of view. But if you're talking strictly between the white lines for on-the-field performance, I don't know how you can have an issue with it. So, I mean, if, if, you, if you're clearing out everything but the football aspect of it, and especially if you're a Buccaneers fan, I have no idea what you could dislike about this move. I mean, Jamie, I, this is a $2.5 million max with a million-dollar bonus for winning the Super Bowl. For, like, I just said, one of the best players we've ever seen in, in the 2000s play the receiver position, who plays all three, who has a lot left. Like, there's so much to like from a football perspective. I agree with you. If you don't like it, and you don't agree with that part, you don't think he should be in the league, that's your opinion. None of us are going to argue that, or that's not what we're here to talk about. From a football perspective, with this payment, there is no risk. There is absolutely – if he plays four games, and in two of those games he gets four targets, three catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown, helps him win, and then he screws up and you cut him, it was valuable as hell. Yes. Yes. What could you argue there if he only plays 40? If he keeps his head on straight – and you pay him two and a half million dollars, you won the damn Super Bowl. Yes. And look, it, it's one of those things, too, where your quarterback has clearly been asking for this player. Yes. And if the worst thing that happens is you have to prove to the quarterback that, like, well, this was your guy and he screwed up again. So now he's gone. Then that's what happens. Like, there's there's no risk. One, it's not my money. Two, it has no effect on it's, it has no effect on future cap implications. So, so there, there's no financial reason to be upset with this. And we have seen what this Buccaneers offense can look like with healthy receivers and without the healthy top receivers. And it's significantly different. And we always talk about it on the show about the lens that we view teams and players. The lens we view the Tampa Bay Buccaneers through is can they and how do they win the Super Bowl this year? 
And this is another step toward that goal that will help them accomplish that. And if it doesn't, he won't be on the team by the time that matters. And if he keeps his head on straight and he's a part of this team and they lose the NFC championship and he's back next year, he's still gonna be back cheap. By the way, this is the draft network, right? So we, we, we fall into the narrative of what about the young guy we just drafted? Who cares? Yes, Tyler Johnson looks damn good and he's coming on. He ain't freaking Antonio Brown. Are you serious? Nor do we want people? him to be. He's a damn rookie. You should see my Twitter. Like he's just, he's caught two touchdowns. It's freaking Antonio Brown. Like it's so far out of sight, out of mind. Week one of last year or whatever that was where he goes to Miami week three, whatever it was, and goes up for 118 and a touchdown. Yeah. And he was there for a week practicing. Like, don't be, don't be shocked if he comes out against the Saints with nine targets, seven catches, and a touchdown and helps them win. Like, don't be shocked. I'm not saying that's going to be the load because I don't know who's healthy, who's doing what by then. But he's going to have an impact on this team immediately. One thing you know about Antonio Brown is he's going to be in shape. Yes. The fast twitch is going to be fast and twitchy. It might not be football shape where he's going to play 80 plays, but you're not asking him to. He doesn't have to. That's the point. He doesn't have to. No, he doesn't have to. And I will end this conversation with this because I recognize and embrace the fact that I am a homer for Bruce. I don't care. I've been called it. It's the truth. It's a fact. And there are way worse things in the world that you can call me. So if I'm going to be a homer for a good ass dude who I love, God bless. But I trust Bruce. I know what he does and I know who he is as a human being. And then you added Tom Brady to the equation. Okay. So you have Bruce Arians, you have Byron Leftwich, you have Todd Bowles, you have that entire staff. Okay. It's not just Bruce. It's everybody that comes alongside that and Tom Brady in that locker room, making sure that, that this more than anything is a move that is going to get them closer to a Super Bowl. So I ask you guys this, is there any doubt in your mind that if Tom Brady thought there was a 1% chance that this could ruin what they have going, that he wouldn't, that he would say absolutely not. Cause I don't think that if there was a 1% chance, a half of a percent chance that Brady thought this could go the wrong way. I don't think there's any chance that this is happening. None. No, he 100% Zero. thinks it makes them better. Yes. And the coaching staff now goes and the general manager in the front office goes, we, we lost okay. Chris, as Jamie, Jamie said, we lost Chris and Mike for the last three games last year, and it cost us. We had nothing to throw out there. We went to Chicago without Chris and Mike 50%, and Scotty, our new young stud, was 60 70%. And we're playing a rookie, and we're playing Justin Watson, who then gets hurt in that game and goes out. You're adding Antonio Brown as your insurance policy for a million dollars. Like, this is the biggest no – like, I just said this is literally adding Kevin Durant to a team at the trade deadline, but you're not trading anybody. And you're paying him two million instead of twenty million. Yes, like it's that kind of impact. Maybe Kevin Durant's a, a bit of a stretch, but like you get my point here. Like it's, it's a, a big, it's, it's a big, that kind of player. It's a huge signing. It's a huge deal for them. And I, we will end with this because I think this is, this is as Bruce as it gets. Okay, so this, this is a quote uh, that he gave that has been uh, that's from Peter King. Okay. Mike Evans didn't touch the ball till the fourth quarter, but he just wants to win. Chris Godwin, same way. Gronk, same way. If AB's not that way, then we're going to have a problem, okay? He has been very clear. If you have read anything that has come out of Bruce's mouth since this has happened, it is very direct, and he is doing that on purpose. 
AB knows exactly where he stands. There is no room for error. There is no room for BS. There is no room for him throwing his hands up, being pissed off that he's not, or taught. There is, he has no leash. There is no leash. That's where he is. So you think that he is walking into a situation that he's not aware of this? It's very clear. He knows. So this, the, the, there's no, there's no risk. Like that's where I look at this. And the, the whole point is that guy is not going to, he's not going to infect the locker room. Like he's not going to come in and ruin this locker room. It's disrespectful to everybody, not only Bruce and the coaching staff, but Tom Brady and Devin White and, and everybody that's inside there, Levante, Nathamic. I mean, all these guys that are inside that locker room, that's not going to happen. It's not I, gonna I'm going to, I'm going to agree, but disagree while I'm agreeing. So I'm not disagreeing in like a rude way. I'm going to, he's going to add to this locker room. And here's why yes. he practices like freaking Tom Brady. He already knows what Tom Brady wants to practice. Like Antonio Brown brings energy, excitement, speed. And by the way, he's freaking Antonio Brown. So when he yeah. walks through that locker room to a lot of these young dudes, it's like Tom Brady walking through there. It's not the same off factor, but they're still an off factor. But when they walk on the field for the first time together, and he's running routes at full freaking speed. You just injected that kind of enthusiasm into a team that's five and two that just kicked the shit out of the Vegas pa- the Vegas Raiders and the Packers, who looks like they're that good. You just injected all that energy into that team. So I do think he affects the locker room in a very positive way with the energy that he brings. I don't I don't see the negative stuff. I think you said if he does, it's gone. Makes that yep. easy. I think it's, I think it's very easy, but I know that this has been, it continues to be a very polarizing discussion on social across the, across, let's, let's, across t- the let, let's touch on that too, Paige. Cause the, the camp, Jamie said it perfectly. If you, if you don't agree with it, we're not going to argue with you. Totally. BA, agree. Did a, BA, BA addressed that too. The legal proceedings are what they are. He's been yep. accused of something. If he is in fact found guilty, his ass won't be here. That was the quote. The Buccaneers Here. are not the legal, they're not the legal proceedings. They're not the judge, jury, executioner. But I can tell you right now, if he's found guilty, he's gone. Regardless how good they're doing, that's the stuff that crosses over into that line. So if you're still in that camp, understand they're not getting into those, but they're very aware of what's going on. So is the NFL. So that's kind of pretty much covered the entire spectrum that is that polarizing, but we can touch on it enough to say the head coach already said, if he's found guilty, his ass is out of here. He's already also served an eighth game suspension. I think that is also needs to be mentioned. Like the league did suspend him for a period of time. He has sat out for eight games, will not be eligible to play until week nine. That is all part of this. Um, and and I have been pretty openly for this since the beginning um, because I know that this is a tough a topic that hits home. It was very clear that Antonio Brown was going through something mentally, and I hope that he is okay now. Um, because it is a big deal in this country, mental health issues. And it was very clear that something was not okay for a while. And I'm hopeful that the thing that has brought him a lot of joy, which is football and what he's very good at, he can do at his best capacity and be the best version of himself. Because it was very clear that the attitude changed with him when he was in Pittsburgh and, and it it went south very quickly. So I, I'm hopeful that he he can be healthy and happy and and be in that you know, in that capacity and maybe get to a point where he can be an advocate like Brandon Marshall and some of these other guys that have, have gone and gone through some of those similar things. Cause it is a big deal. And, and many people in this country suffer. So um, before this turns into a bigger discussion, let's move on to headlines from week seven. 
Uh, Jamie, I will let you go first because you've got a, a good one here with backup running backs. So go away. Uh, go ahead. Take it away. Headline coming out of week seven. Yeah, this was the week where backup running back saved you if you had an injury or if you were lucky enough to pick them up off waivers and start them. Uh, three guys that, uh, in particular, Boston Scott, which started out the week, 18.2 fantasy points and the game-winning touchdown catch, replacing Miles Sanders. Gio Bernard, 20.6 fantasy points, replacing Joe Mixon and his injury that he's still uh, even upgraded from week to week to day to day, but Bernard might get another start again this week. And Jamal Williams, with Aaron Jones being added to the injury report on Friday, uh, was, again, never a good sign when the guy's added to the report that late. Uh, he, he steps in and has a big game as well. So, I mean, those are three guys. They're almost average 20 fantasy points each in PPR formats. It really saved your week. And I was lucky enough to play two of them uh, in a couple of my leagues in Bernard and Jamal Williams. So uh, I, I, was on the, I was on the Gio Bernard train the second I saw Mixon go down. <laughs> I was on that like, hey, you know what? Gio Bernard has two of these games a year. Let's, let's, let's ride the train right now. Uh, but they very much helped you. And you know, right now, if you're Boston Scott or Gio Bernard, they might help you again this week. I think Aaron Jones is going to play. We'll have to see how that, how that shakes out. But two of those three guys could still be in your starting lineups once again this week. Yeah, that depth obviously matters for everybody across the league in fantasy, but especially this year, man, and, and especially with running backs. Jake, I know you have two headlines, one, uh, one, one specific to, to the old Bucks taking care of business and one other one, so I'll let you go take it away. Yeah, the one is I've kind of transitioned it into three topics into one for the first one. This is a very interesting year we're looking at. You have like – five teams with all all-time offenses with the worst defenses we've ever seen and I, I i still can't wrap my head around the fact that people have them in the top five of the power rankings there's really only like three or four teams that have really good offenses really good defenses if they stay healthy and continue to get better the bucks the steelers the ravens are all kind of in kansas city could play complementary defense enough they could play like they did at the end of last year they can be in that category but their offense is so explosive you give them a little bit of a pass but don't tell me that the Seahawks are still in the top five of the power ranking. And it's not just Sunday night. You should have known before they blew that game. They led until there was all the zeros on the clock were gone. It was the only time they lost all night. They have the worst defense I've ever seen. Russell Wilson has to play beyond an MVP level for them to win. And by the way, he shouldn't be leading that category anymore because he threw three picks that cost them that game last night. So, like, this is a really interesting year. So, I say the Buccaneers and the Steelers, as they're figuring out their offenses, their quarterbacks are getting back accustomed to doing what they're doing, figuring out how they want to use those weapons. In the Bucs' case, they got to stay healthy offensively and get enough reps with Tom, who's getting better every week. Ben needs to figure out exactly who is his go-to guy. Deontay Johnson needs to stay healthy and get out there. And then the Ravens got to figure out their identity on offense as well, but yeah. their defense is blitzing and keeping them together. I love the fact that they went all in on the Ngakwe trade because I think that gives them a guy that can get home by himself and they don't have to blitz quite as much. But you're talking about any one of those sides of the ball can be dominant and get you a win. And there's not a lot of teams that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Kansas City's defense is not going to be dominant enough for them to get a win if their offense struggles. The difference is Patrick Mahomes can struggle for 58 minutes and kick your ass in the last two. So it's a really interesting thing that we're seeing. I, I've never seen this bad a defense across the league. I, I'd love to throw the Bears in that category, but they're struggling so bad on offense with that offensive line that you really can't throw them in that category, but their defense is playing out of this world. Yeah, their defense continues to be such a bright spot for them, but that 
there, there's too much incompetence on, on the offense and injuries that are going to lead them to stay out of that top tier. Uh, but a pretty good time to have pick the uh, old Bucks and Steelers to play in the Super Bowl. Feeling pretty good about that <laughs> one coming into the year. So that's uh, feeling, feeling pretty good about that one and would love to see the old guys, Big Ben and Tom Brady going toe to toe in a Super Bowl after after playing in AFC uh, matchups for for most of their career, it would be it would be a really really fun thing. My headline coming out of the week is the New York Jets and the Dallas Cowboys have more in common than you might think. Over their last twenty games, both teams are seven and thirteen. It is not good for all of those counting at home. So. For those of you that think the Dallas Cowboys belong in the relevant conversation, you are very wrong. This team has a lot of issues, and it is so far past the coaching staff and everything else that people are blaming them for and have blamed them for for years, it feels like. This is mismanagement. This is not paying the right players. This is not being honest about your identity. This is There are many, many issues for this Dallas Cowboys team, and I find it very interesting Obviously, we know what the Dallas, what New York is and how much fun people have made of them. But that's a pretty damning stat to be in the same conversation over the last 20 games as the New York Jets. Because if you talked, heard about the Cowboys this offseason, it was they were going to be in the Super Bowl. Not in this, not in this podcast. We sure as hell weren't saying that. Uh, but the, there was a lot of the national conversation around this around this team, even though they took a serious step back. Um, from a talent perspective. So I saw that stat. I looked at that and I went, yeah, that's going as a headline for the podcast because that deserves a lot more attention than it's getting. And I know how everybody is with the Cowboys, other than Stephen A. Smith, who is here to dance on the grave of the Dallas Cowboys, of which it is my favorite shtick in sports. Like the only shtick that I live for that happens on ESPN is Stephen A. dancing and making fun of the Cowboys. It is so fantastic and so funny and I'll never get over it. But I know that I saw that stat come from him and I was like, ooh, Stephen A. I will take that one. Thank you very much, brother. I like that one. I like that one a lot. So thank you for that. And uh, listen, not a good time to be in the same conversation as the New York Jets, guys. If we're all, for all those counting at home, um, it is not a good time to be in that conversation. So moving right along, studs and duds. I will let Jamie, I will let you take your, uh, let's start with the, let's start with the duds because your dud is coming from the old Dallas Cowboys. So let's just keep on dunking, Jamie. Let's just keep on going. Yeah. I mean, it's never, ever a good time to be compared to the Jets for anything. If it goes beyond just, they also play in the NFL. It's usually a really <laughs> bad sign for you. Uh, so my duds were uh, two guys that have been studs for you for the most part this season. One of them was CD lamb, uh, no catches uh, in this game. Did I catch any of them? I believe he had four or five targets caught. None of them had a drop, had a one yard run uh, where he was pushed out of bounds, I believe on a third down. So it was just a brutal game for him. And Zeke, 51 total yards on 13 touches. Just, it was just an abysmal night uh, for them all around. They're likely going to be starting Ben DiNucci at quarterback this week. Um, so, yeah. Uh, where'd he go? James Morgan? Like, where, 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 where the hell was Ben DiNucci playing football before, like, six minutes ago? I don't know. It's, Jamie, it's bring in the great. lefty. Kellen Moore's going to call his own plays. He's going to come in, practice on Wednesday, come in with the old the old lefty Philip Rivers. Oh, my God. And play quarterback for him. It's bad, man. Like, it, it's just, it's bad. It's getting worse. The defense is terrible. I mean, I know Jake said that the Seahawks are the worst defense he's ever seen, but I, Dallas is really trying to get that title. 
I mean, Dallas defense, Dallas defense might be the DK Metcalf and the Seattle defense is Buda Baker <laughs> and they might be getting there like at some point. Uh, we'll, we'll see because they're both just, I mean, close. you made Kyle Allen when Jamal, like when, when Jamal Adams comes back, the Cowboys defense will catch up to the Seahawks. And they'll, they'll, they'll overtake them as, in that <laughs> analogy. It's just, it's just, it's so bad all around. This team has so many holes. Their offensive line is decimated there. It just, this team, I don't, I don't care if Dak comes back week one is hundred percent the Dak that we saw in the first few weeks of the year. They're still not a contender. Like there, there are just so many problems on this team right now. Uh, and look, I mean, look, if, if you have Zeke, you have Cooper, I think Cooper is going to still get his because they're going to force the ball his way enough times to st- still keep him in starting caliber territory for you in fantasy. Zeke's going to have better games than this because Washington's defense has actually been playing pretty damn good football. It gets lost in the fact that most weeks their offense looks like just abysmal and it kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but Washington's defense is a tough matchup, but I mean, if you have CD lamb going forward or Michael Gallup or Dalton Schultz, like I'm, I'm not excited to, to touch any of those guys over the next several weeks, at least until Andy Dalton gets back and healthy. And even then it's not where it was the first month of the season. Hold Michael Gallup for a week. Cause I think yeah. he might be playing somewhere else before this trade deadline is over with. Cause they can't pay him anyway. Then they got to get, if, if they're it. smart, if they're smart, they get something back. I uh, my, my, my dud of the, my dud of the week is cam scam. Newton. I have never seen somebody get more damn excuses made after he was the comeback player of the year in the MVP. Cause he went to Seattle and that God awful defense that we're talking about and looked decent. He's awful. I told you he couldn't throw. He's never been able to throw his entire career. He can't run like he used to. He's 260 pounds off of Liz Frank. He's old. He's done. They suck. They are God awful. But if you think because of one decent fantasy week that he was going to be the Cam Newton of old and you don't listen to the show, we flat told you, Jamie's like, I got him at like 26 for the rest of the year. And I'm not moving him because I don't know what I'm going to get. He doesn't need to be 46. He got benched last week. It won't be the last time they go to Stidham. He has got awful. He, he's not a pocket passer. You cannot enter the NFL the way that he was as a dynamic freak of an athlete and change the way the positions played but he really didn't because he's the only dude that can play that way. And if he can't play that way, the way he used to, then he has nothing for you because he's never been able to throw. He cannot stand in the pocket and be a pocket passer. He doesn't do this dink and dunk that they're trying to do and save me the, Oh, all of a sudden he's now out of rhythm and he's not the same because he got COVID. He's the one dude that got COVID by the way, he was back in like three days or four days, whatever the minimum is because he had no symptoms. So like, I heard that one from Kyle Brandt this morning making every excuse under the freaking sun. I've never seen somebody get so many excuses made when you all – you know what? Schrag said it, though. They suck. They're done. It's time to stop talking about them because they are irrelevant. They're in the Jets and Giants conversation of being god-awful. They just got waxed by the Broncos at home two weeks ago. Did we forget about that? Oh, yeah, we did because the 49ers beat them so damn bad, which we told you on the show was going to happen that you forgot how bad they lost to Denver the week before. I'm here for all of this conversation and I will end the cam, the scam Newton conversation by saying um, for all of those of you counting at home, uh, Tom Brady has 18 passing touchdowns and um, mm, counting Patriots quarterbacks, three, three and 11 passing picks. touchdowns. Okay. And 11. Picks. So yeah. So um, reminder 
for all those of you who wanted to write off Tom Brady, um, make all your jokes, uh, you know, just, you know, Jamie had a, had a tweet the other day. It says, I'm old enough to remember when Tom Brady sucked and Cam Newton was the MVP of the league. Like, really? Yeah, it's uh, overreaction nation. Like, maybe people need to wait a little bit. It happens every single year and every year. And look, there, there are things we'll get wrong. There are things that happen that just come out of nowhere and you go, oh, you know, didn't see that coming. But it's there's just sometimes just the, the desire to just follow along with a national narrative without any regard for anything else. And that's why some of these, all of these excuses are getting made because people can't like, we've been, and look, he might, he might have a good game here or there somewhere for the rest of the year. But you have been gaslighted on Cam Newton for three months. Since the second he signed in New England, you have been gaslighted. You've been told, don't look at what your eyes have been telling you at the end of his Carolina run. Don't look at what the eyes are telling you, even when he's been as a passer, aside from the Seattle game. Like, he was, he was only okay as a passer, even the Miami game. He had the two rushing touchdowns, and he ran all over the place, so he looked really good in week one. But he wasn't a good thrower in that game. You've been told to ignore all that, to fall into the narrative of, Oh, look, Cam Newton and oh, no, Bill Belichick so much smarter than everybody and the whole league is stupid and all this other stuff that everybody's been telling you. Well, it turns out, no. Like, he looks right now like the Cam Newton that ended the run in Carolina. Like, that, that, that's what he looks like. It just, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's just frustrating sometimes. And we've said this on the show. We've been very consistent about this throughout the process. Like, even, even, after, those, even after the Seattle game. But that's it. He has been a brutal, not bad, a brutal passer the last month. Like James, a hundred percent, like it's a hundred percent college recruiting hype videos and social media driven. Not anybody with eyeballs that watches football. Yeah, this this but, is but, but it gets this said. is his sweaty gym freaking hype videos. Not like anything with pads on. Like it's just it's god awful. No, That's gets, why everybody jumps in. And yes, they get said. It's said over and over and over till people believe it, and it just it, it they just slap you in the face with some of these narratives, and it just. I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating because it's one of the ones that like, if you've been watching, like my eyes are not like my eyes would tell, I would watch a game and I would hear what the analysis was. And I, I couldn't understand that we were watching the same player or the same game or the same year. Like, just, by, by the, by the way, this was my dud of the week because it was 3.2 or 3.6 points. Yeah. As the no, starting quarterback of the Patriots. Yeah, no, it was, it was not good. Uh, shout out to Hank, worst home loss in the Belichick era. If you're counting at home, there's about seven to 10 different records that have been set by the Patriots all negatively over the last two weeks. They're all the most amount of games lost, the most points given up, the most amount of that. Like it's, it is a bing, bing, bing list of things that are happening week in and week out that they are going to set records on negatively. And it's going to continue because this team is bad. So enjoy this. Um, everybody that's not a Patriots fan because I sure as hell know that I'm going to enjoy the, the shit out of watching this Patriots team suck because we had to watch y'all for 20 years so guess what you guys can sit over there in Boston and be terrible and sit just quiet down you got plenty of rings to look at for the rest of us to enjoy ourselves while while you just sit there and look at your rings so it's pretty hard to feel bad for everybody in Boston I don't think By anybody the way. on the show is going to give them sympathy I'm going to give the Buffalo Bills and the Bills Mafia a PSA right here. You oh got boy. your ass kicked twice. You had your get right game and you look like dog shit. Yeah. You're never going to get a better chance to whoop the Patriots ass than you have right now. But if you put that bullshit that you put out the other day against the Jets on the field, 
Cam Scam, Newton, and Belichick are going to kick your ass. Yeah. This is your get-right game. This is your chance to stomp on them while they're already on the ground, kick them while they're hurt, and all that. But you better come with more than you put on the field the last three weeks because it's been ugly. Yeah, PSA is right. My dud quickly is uh, more – it's a dud, but it's more like a stud for the other team, right? And that is Josh Jacobs, dud of the week, 10 receptions for 17 yards, three – three rushes for 14 yards. This is a this is the other PSA, okay? The Buccaneers defense fears no running back. Does not matter who you are, does not matter which guy you you are in totality. They will shut everybody down. They will shut all of you down. They've shut every top-tier running back. Christian McCaffrey, it doesn't matter. It literally does not matter. So, know that going in cuz I got two questions about it today. Should I be worried about Josh Jacobs? No, you should not be worried about Josh Jacobs. He played the Bucks defense. So it's a dud performance, but it's more of an opportunity for me to calm everybody down who is Josh Jacobs, including myself. I have Josh Jacobs, and I knew exactly what I was going to get from him under 10 points. I knew that was going to happen. That's just All three of us have Aaron Jones, who they did it through last week, and none of us are worried that's, about that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, this, is, this is the Bucks defense. They're going to do this to every running back. If you have a top-tier running back, I don't care who they are. They're not putting up big numbers against the Bucs. That's just what it is. So don't freak out. It was a dud performance, but it's a dud for the whole league. Jamie, your stud performance of the week. The returning Deontay Johnson. Uh, this offense looks different when he's healthy. And to me, he is Pittsburgh's number one receiver right now. That is the guy that Ben is going to. He's the player he trusts in all levels of the field. If he can stay healthy and he can stay on the field, he is going to have a sensational season. Got nine for 80 uh, and two touchdowns on 15 targets in this game for Ben Roethlisberger. I just, it, his progression from the late last season with no quarterbacks to now with Ben Roethlisberger has been remarkable. He just has to stay on the field because he is going to be, he's going to be a guy that's going to be flirting with top 15 wide receiver numbers if he can just stay out there. And I know he's dealt with a lot of different injuries, even dating back to last year. And, he, and he's playing through a lot of that stuff. But when he is out there, it makes Ben better. He's better. And that Steelers offense better. He is the straw that stirs to drink in that receiving core right now. Like he is a game changer when he's out there. Yep. I think that's one of the reasons they might have struggled on offense a little bit to find their identity because he hasn't been out there. He's got a lot of Antonio Brown in him after the catch, man. There's some wiggle, some shake. There's another burst. Daryl Drake, God rest your soul. Love this kid coming out of college. And he has I mean, he's done nothing but live up to the billing. He's just got to stay out there. But he reminds me a lot of A.B. on those slants and stuff where he just explodes. And you're exactly right. I think that's the one piece that will really, if he can get back and stay healthy, that, that really sets them on course of being this offense that they want to be. All right, Jake, your stud of the week. Scotty Scooter Miller. He had a couple rough weeks coming off the injury second year, but, man, Tom Brady loves him some Scooter. And one of the – most beautiful passes you've ever seen. Oh. But Scotty's Scotty's catch in the end zone. It was a big time catch too. I mean, this kid. Catch. I remember his scouting report talking to Bucks, talking to my dad, and talking about it. I've never seen anybody catch it and in one step be back full speed. Like he has the ability to catch the ball and never break stride and never drop that four three speed. And we still haven't seen him a hundred percent. So I can't wait. So Scooter, I'd I, I almost like, okay, we get Antonio Brown and he's playing that position. There's going to be a time where you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the slot and Antonio Brown and Scooter outside playing the four wides. That's going to be crazy. But Scooter bounced back with his first 100-yard game, monster touchdown. 
and just looks dynamic. When you're double team and bracket coverage on Mike Evans and you're going to leave Godwin in the middle of the field playing the slot, not many teams have somebody that can match up with Scooter on the other side. And I love just calling him Scooter. That's just, that's yeah. just awesome. That's a, that's a Tom Brady nickname if there ever was one. But he bounced <laughs> back with a really, really big week. Uh, Scooter is a great, great nickname and a great football name. So love it. And as much as I had to hear about the damn moon balls on Sunday night football, can we just get a moment for that moon Tom Brady balls. pass? Because good Lord, that was beautiful. That was Our beautiful. An old washed up guy, Paige. I mean, thought, thought his arm was cooked. Yeah, they told me. Trash. They had said. It was just a flick of the wrist too, man. It was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, they had said that was perfect, Jamie. They had said a lot and a lot they have been wrong on. Uh, two studs of the week for me, both wide receivers, Devontae Adams and Tyler Lockett. Devontae Adams, 13 receptions, 196 yards, two touchdowns, 40, 40 plus fantasy points. Tyler Lockett said, I see that Devontae and I will one up you. He goes for 15 receptions, 200 yards, and three touchdowns, and caught all of the moon balls, okay, from Russell Wilson. So I think this is where I, I love Tyler Lockett because somehow he is quietly their number one receiver, right? DK gets all the credit. He gets all the conversation. But Tyler Lockett's the number one receiver on team. Do not get it twisted. And I Paige, that's is, a phenomenal point. What's everybody talking about today? Did DK have a he, catch last night? Besides he, he caught okay. besides he caught Buda Baker? Two receptions like, yeah, two, two, for 23 oh, yards. So two yeah, two receptions and one catch. 15 for 203 touchdowns. All anybody's talking about is how fast DK was that he hit 23 miles an hour or whatever the hell it was running down Buda Baker. He wasn't even in the game. Other huh. than that, it was a big play. I get it. But Tyler Lockett was sensational. That was all time great last night. All time great. And I I love it as somebody who rostered him because it was like the quiet, like yeah, you're going to get him in a later round and nobody's really all that excited about having him. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about having the number one option in Seattle. Thank you very much. Like that, that, that never understood, did not get it. Continue to talk about DK and I love DK. Do not get me wrong. But the number one wide receiver in Seattle is Tyler Lockett. No questions asked, period, end of conversation. Like this, this was like exclamation point to the wide receiver one in Seattle conversation. And he's just balling and he's making unbelievable catches and Russell's throwing moon balls for lack of a better phrase, because they use that damn scent. I don't know how many times I could hear that in one freaking football game. I mean, I get it. He throws a perfect ball, but dear God, Chris Collinsworth, you got to find a different way to describe things sometimes. Um, but it, you know, it was a unbelievable Sunday night football game and more so an absolutely phenomenal performance from both Devontae Adams and Tyler Lockett, two absolute superstars. Uh, so you had to be very, very happy with those performances. Go ahead, Jamie. I could see your head thinking about whatever joke you're going to say. So no, ahead, it's actually, get it out there. no, it's actually not a joke this time. Actually, it's, it's actually a serious point. Um, I, if you could guarantee me health, I'm not sure there's a receiver in the league right now. I would take over Devontae Adams. Yep. No, I guarantee no, I, me if you can guarantee me he's on the field, cause that's, that's a big thing. Like, you know, you're going to get, you're going to miss two to four games every year with him. Like that's he, but considering that Houston was bothered covering all of the no other weapons green Bay had, uh, I mean, he, he is a remarkable player and just, he needs to stay on the field. If, if he played 16 games every single year, these last few years, people would truly appreciate his skill level. It's because he missed his time and they look at the stats and they see what Michael Thomas does or they see what Julio Jones does. And they miss that there's like a 12 or a 13 under the G column 
for Devontae Adams when he's putting up these numbers. Like I think someone said he's played from a fantasy perspective. I believe he's the wide receiver 14 in total points through three and a half games he's played. We're, we're through week seven. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like it's he is a just a monster player. If he was get guarantee me health, there's not a wide receiver in the league I would take over Devontae Adams right now. No, I love the way Aaron Rodgers described it too, is their communication. At you they've been together long enough now where there's just like a wink or a nod or just a big eyes and like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna change this, I'm gonna cut this off, I'm gonna break this, I'm gonna go a little deeper, whatever it is. They're just on the same page. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There's nobody I'm taking over him right now, but the fact that Aaron Rodgers is playing at this level and the communication that they have just makes it that much better why you would take him as the number one guy. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's fun to watch, I'll tell you that. Yeah, super fun to watch. A lot of phenomenal performances from wide receivers this past week. All right, guys, final thoughts on today's podcast. We'll wrap things up here. I will let, uh, I'll let Jamie go first. Jamie, go ahead. Got to give a shout-out to the rookie QBs that are balling right now. Justin Herbert looks like uh, not just a stud, looks like an absolute freaking superstar. My dude. Uh, had a monster game, 347, three touchdowns, led the team in passing, led the team in rushing, four total touchdowns. Again, gets his first W, finally gets on the board there. Uh, he's a, he's special. Like, I mean, he is going to be special. And, and his journey, watching the league adjust back, watching him adjust to the league, adjust to him over the next couple of years, is going to be really, really exciting. Uh, him getting a full training camp, an actual real-life training camp as the starter next year and seeing what he can do with that that area of growth that he did not have the opportunity to be afforded this year. Uh, I cannot wait to see that. And Joe Burrow, 406 yards in his game, three touchdowns, or four total touchdowns, three through the air. Uh, and he is getting clobbered every single week. Two more offensive linemen go down in this game. The defense sucks. When the rest of the team, and it's going to take some time, but when the rest of the team can match up to the level of play of Joe Burrow, there's something special there. Both of these players are just, they look like guys that are going to be 10, 12, 15 year guys in the league if they can stay healthy. Both of them have just been unbelievable under the most difficult circumstances for any rookie quarterback in recent memory. Uh, And to be having this much success, it's just remarkable. Uh, Herbert said every single week, QB one in fantasy, like no questions asked. He's number four right now in average fantasy points as he's been the starter. And one of the guys above him is Dak Prescott, who ain't coming back this year. So he's an every week start. Burrow's a low end QB one every single week. Uh, it's just remarkable seeing the success these guys are having right out of the gates in such a such trying circumstances, both from kind of the offensive lines and teams around them, and given the fact they had no offseason, no preseason to actually get geared up for their rookie campaigns. Yeah, it's been. And super here's here's impressive. why the league can't adjust to him, Jamie. They can stand in the pocket and kick your ass, and they're athletic enough to move if they need to, but they don't have to. That's playing the quarterback position. They're both smart as shit, and they can both stand there and sling it all over the place, and they're athletic enough to move. I I love both their games. And both of them have that separator factor of they will stand there, and they will take a hit and make an on-target throw. Like Justin Herbert is getting – murdered before some of these 50-yard throws to X, you know, XFL guys that he's throwing to and, and Parnum and Guyton, who was off the practice squad. That's the thing because a lot – it's, again, it's, it's really easy if you have a clean pocket. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of arm talent in the NFL. But when you're getting clobbered hit after hit after hit and guys are in your face and you're making 30, 40, 50, 60-yard completions downfield on target, that's a separator. And both these guys are doing it on a weekly basis. When you got brains, balls, arm talent, and the mind to go with it, this is what you get. By the way, one of my early locks of the week will be this other rookie that we're going to talk about, Ain't winning. 
we'll, we'll get into that later, later in the week, but we won't be talking about him in the same category for a while. That's why if all things are considered equal because of Jamie's point, I will always take the big dude. There's nothing wrong with having a, having a big dude that can handle a hit. Cause I can guarantee you Kyler Murray, Tua, not taking the hits that these two dudes are taking. It's not happening. They can't survive. They cannot. And that is why when you have the opportunity to have a guy who, oh, by the way, can stand in the pocket and make all the throws that it takes to be a top-tier NFL quarterback, but can also get out and make a play and be super athletic because they both are, especially Herbert. He's made some unbelievable runs. It is – they're special to watch, man, and they're playing with hands tied behind their back with all the injuries – uh, and just the lack of weapons that they have um, and, and just issues mostly on their offensive line with injuries or in Cincinnati's case, just starting off not very well. Um, it really has been a joy to watch the two of them. So shout out to the rookie QBs. Looking forward to seeing what the Panini, uh, what the Panini rookies of the week are uh, on the draftnetwork.com. So you guys to check those out. Jake, your final thoughts. Yeah, I'll touch on that before I finish my final thoughts. Trade King Dunlap. And anybody else in Cincinnati that's not happy, trade A.J. Green, get some freaking capital back so you can protect his ass moving forward because you have something that he, he's from there. He wants to be there. This is a franchise resurrection turnaround. Do what's right and protect this damn kid. Don't try to win. I'm all for winning games now, but your coaching staff set, your quarterback set, get rid of these pieces that don't want to be there. Whichever one put their damn condo on the market on Twitter himself. Somebody buy that son of a bitch yeah, and trade him somewhere. Yeah, yeah I get rid of them. Uh, my final thoughts of the week are much bigger than football. Ron Rivera, we love you. One of the best dudes in football. Rung the bell, getting his ass out of the freaking hospital for his last chemo treatment today. Awesome to see. Has not missed a freaking game. Battling cancer. Getting chemo has not missed a game. He got his last treatment today. I was happy as hell to see that this morning. It was absolutely awesome. I think he could add a little more enthusiasm ringing that damn bell. But uh, one of the really, really, really good dudes in football is happy as hell to see that, man. It was awesome. Yeah, you stole mine. Uh, so ah, love, sorry. Love, that's all right. Love seeing that from Ron Rivera. I will audible because I'm a very good quarterback and make a different play here. Uh, as, as, as Henry said, I was sniped. The Bears are lacking an offensive identity, and it has been 40 games. And, and, and this might not seem like a long time to some people. And you might say, oh, you've been spoiled. You had 12 and four, you're eight, you had eight and eight last year and you're five and two now. I understand all that, right? Like I, I understand, I understand all that. But if you've had 40 games to figure out who you are as an offense and you are quote unquote, a offensive genius, Okay, because that's the labeling that has come across for Matt Nagy. If you are an offensive-minded head coach, an offensive genius, you were standing across from another guy in Sean McVay who's been put in that same category. You saw what that looks like on the opposite side. And I understand there's issues on the offensive line and there's this and there's a ton of excuses. I'm not interested in the excuses because the excuses are not just for this year. The excuses and the issues have been lingering since the very beginning. Getting too cute, Jake used to call it in 2018 when they were 12 and four. Stop getting so cute. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Kept doing it. Same thing last year. Same thing this year. I'm tired of it. I want to see an offensive identity. If you have been playing for 40 games and you are an offensive genius, how are you lacking an offensive identity? 
it's a huge problem in Chicago. I understand that, in my opinion, the talent on the defense has masked the fact that this offense has struggled for so long. And this is not just a three-year thing. This is a, this is what this franchise has been forever thing, okay? So you guys need to figure it out. And I don't think Matt Nagy is the answer. And I understand it's really hard to fire a coach or move on from a coach who's had as much success. And I'm not calling for that, but maybe you need to have a conversation about the play calling or somebody else doing it and not him, because it, it is not, it is not, it is not working. I can assure you of that. And you're going to have wasted another generationally talented defense because you are not even remotely competent on offense. Cause it doesn't take a whole lot with that defense. You got to be 15 to 20 on offense. You just can't be 29th or 30th because that's where you are right now. So that's that's my final thoughts is if this Bears team has any sense of trying to do something better this year, Matt Nagy's going to have to figure it out. Um, and they're going to have to stop looking for excuses on the offensive line or whatever else is going on. So, uh, but on a, on a more serious note, the Ron Rivera situation was beautiful to see today. So absolutely love seeing that dude is tough. He's a tough dude. Uh, going through chemotherapy is absolutely horrible. And I'm so happy that he's gotten through that process and, and is, uh, you know, ringing the bell. So kudos to him. Uh, he got to, hopefully his Washington team is on a positive trajectory. Uh, they've had some, they've had some better moments and at least they're not the Dallas Cowboys. So there's always that. So good on you, Washington, Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And Jake? At Arians NFL on Instagram and Jake B. Arians on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy and be sure to check out the rankings and everything else we'll be putting up on the draftnetwork.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.